joining us. Hi, Ferret. Hi, Flame. Hi, fandom. Welcome, everyone, to episode eight, which is going to be a little bit different than previous episodes. Instead of hearing a lot from me and Flame, we're going to be featuring four interviews with members of fandom. Our theme this week, in light of pride, but also with the prescient timing, on the importance of learning from other people's experiences, learning to listen, and learning to stay quiet ourselves, our theme is representation in fandom. Fair and I both believe that transformative works should be, in fact, transformative, and that extends to race and gender bending, as well as other intersections of diversity. So we'll be hearing from the Rose Rose on Jewish representation, from Simi about her process and headcanons around Desi Tony, from Pendragon about demisexuality, and from Avengers & Co. about neurodiversity. Then we'll hear from you all on how you're celebrating Pride this year and share your events calendar as well. This episode's amazing art is provided by Bear and their incredible depiction of a Vietnamese Tony, and you'll find their links in all the usual places. Before we get started on that, we wanted to offer a brief explanation as to why this episode is important and why Fair and I are doing our best to stay quiet. It is no secret that the physical representations of these characters in canon tend to dip from a very narrow well. Cisgender, heterosexual, which I respect you can argue in alts, but my point stands, largely white, and for the humans, largely American. The issue is that the demographics of fandom are significantly different than that. Even from just casual flips through Tumblr or detailed data gathered by fandom researchers, we know that while women tend to dominate fandom spaces, the population of trans women and non-binary people continues to grow. Heterosexuality is not even the dominant sexual orientation in most fandom spaces anymore. And while the loudest voices may be American, they are certainly not the only. And while the characters may be white, fandom isn't. And we all want to see ourselves in what we love. That is simply true. Think back to the shots of Brie Larson at the premiere of Captain Marvel and the looks on the little girl's faces that there was a girl superhero. I didn't have that growing up. But the idea that my niece has been born into a world where Gal Gadot and Brie Larson and Tessa Thompson and Lapita Nyong'o and more are on the big screen as people who save the world is really rad in my book. The issue remains, however, that canon is exceptionally exclusionary and fandom has a tendency to be as well. But if we wanna see ourselves in the art that we love, fandom is the perfect place for that to happen. We can take these characters and transform them, give Tony a speech impediment or have a non-cap Steve have diabetes. Bucky's metal arm can be a modern prosthesis and Pepper can be deaf. Hell, we, if we can make Steve a mermaid and Tony an octopus, I really don't want to hear that we can't have Tony in a wheelchair because of cries of canon authenticity. Y'all, come on. Fandom is also the place to lean into things that are hinted at in canon. Strange's hands being shaky, Tony's PTSD, Bucky's memory loss, and unpack them further, and this is the beauty of fandom. Because let's be honest, it isn't like Marvel Studios has an incredibly diverse team of writers. With the exception of Black Panther and Ragnarok, the movies have pretty much been directed or, and or written by white men. White men of privilege and massive studio protection and are marketed to other white men. The comics certainly have a wider stable of creators and there are fascinating intersections represented in some of the comics runs. But when I talk to comics fans, they lament the lack of women and people of color 
and people across the sexuality spectrum as creators as well. So I don't think this is a problem that's just for the MCU. If you don't want to read Tony as a trans man, that doesn't mean that someone writing Tony as a trans man is wrong. It just means you skip that tag. We have tags for a reason and they're beautiful and helpful and a huge part of first do no harm and then do you. A short Professor Flame side note here. You may have some squicks around areas of representation that I'd encourage you to mentally investigate why you have them. We all do, by the way, but part of doing no harm is to recognize that you may be harming yourself or others by holding on to systemic prejudices and inequalities within yourself. If you've got a squick against Fat Bucky, for instance, is it because you think being fat is bad and fat people are lazy and worthless? Or is it just because you don't see the character that way? That's an important distinction. Additionally, and this is particularly relevant now, representation is not a theoretical matter for fandom creators from marginalized populations. Over and over again, we have heard from creators of color that they endure racist comments over both their works and their personal presence in fandom. We've heard this from trans creators, differently abled creators, neurodivergent creators, queer creators, basically creators, <laughs> that fandom is not always a safe space within which to create. And so in this month of pride, which started as a riot and continues to be a political entity, we wanted to draw attention to the fact that proper, authentic representation is an area of fandom which must grow and change and evolve. As we record this, American cities and cities around the world are full of marches declaring that Black Lives Matter. Fandom is international and so is inequality and we have to be aware of that. While fandom is a people, not a place, we are a people who must do better to allow for more voices and more space at the table because none of this journey is over. We all have space to grow as we transform these canons into our own. Finally, we wanna remind everyone that we do not tolerate personal attacks of any nature on anyone in our spaces. Our interviewees were brave and incredibly vulnerable with me and therefore you in the service of education. Part of that fandom growth I was just talking about is listening to voices from these experiences. With all that being said, Farrah and I are pretty much gonna shut up now. We aren't from these stories and it would be disingenuous for us to place any focus on ourselves. You'll hear me a little bit as I chat with our guests, but we hope that you listen to the four women who chose to honor us with their honesty and that it will make your fandom experience richer. Land. I am here today with fellow fan, the Rose Rose. Hello. Hi. You can just call me Rose. Uh, the, the part gets added on when Rose Rose isn't available on a website. Oh, fair. That's, yeah, I think we've all done that. Like, I'm Be The Flame 1 on Twitter because somebody else has Be The Flame. Yep. That's how it works in online land. Exactly. Speaking of online land, how long have you been around? Can you give me your fandom origin story? Well, I've been reading fic for what feels like forever, but really probably about, oh, 17-ish years. I, probably, I think I started in high school reading, reading Harry Potter fic. Um, uh, how many of us started reading Harry Potter fic? I think that's definitely a gateway drug for a lot of people. Yeah. I, I read through so many different fandoms, but I didn't actually start participating other than maybe the occasional comment. I'd actually have to check my comment history to see if I did with um, Mar Marvel. And the reason for that is actually uh, that I got in more was actually TIS fan. 
I commented on one of Tisfan's fix. Tisfan replied, and we got into this conversation. And then I, she mentioned in one of her fix that she posted something on Tumblr. So I ended up joining Tumblr just before the purge. And that's when everyone said they were moving to other places. And one of those places was Discord. So I hopped onto Discord to try and follow these people. I had had started following on Tumblr and was like, ooh, this is interesting. This is interesting. Then I ended up on the Stacconi Discord, followed fairly quickly by the Winter Iron Discord. And as soon as I mentioned, I hadn't really written fic, but I kind of was thinking about it. I was instantly dragged into, oh, please write. You, you'll do a great job. Go write, write, write Vic. And I started writing Vic. So what was the first ship you wrote? Uh, I believe it was actually a Winter Iron. I wrote a Winter uh, It depends. The first ship I published was Winter Iron. The first I started writing was a Stony that is still incomplete. It's on hiatus, but one of these days I will get back to it. Interesting. So how many kind of like, I mean, Stuccone is kind of your home, your home base, it sounds like. Um, and are you kind of like any combination of those three folks or do you have certain ones that you, you know, gravitate towards or ones you don't really like? Like what, what's the deal? Oh, definitely. Um, for some reason, I'm not a huge Stucky fan. It's, I have nothing against Stucky. I just find it hard to find a Stucky fic I enjoy compared to Stony, Winter Iron, and Stuccone. I don't know why. And I've read some Pretty good stony, pretty good stucky fix out there. Just something about it doesn't catch my attention the same way. Uh, but Winter Iron caught caught it. Probably actually of the three, Winter Iron, I think caught it first, followed quickly by Stony or vice versa. And it's like I see Stony, I have Winter Iron, Stucconi. Fair. Yeah. It's a really, like, once you can kind of, a lot of Stuccone folks that I talk to, like, once you kind of open your mind past either Stony, Stucky, or Winter Iron, it's like, oh, well, of course they all go together. Uh, That seems to be kind of a natural progression for a lot of multi-shippers of these characters. Yep. And I had also, my fandom right before uh, Marvel that I was reading was White Collar, where the OT3 is actually the most popular ship. Oh, fascinating. I watched White Collar, but I haven't really read the fic, so I'm assuming that's Neil and Peter and uh, Elizabeth? Yep, that is the most popular ship in that fandom, I believe. I actually looked once, and I believe it came out even more popular than the Peter Neil uh, by numbers, which is fascinating and odd. Yeah. Also, she's the best character on that show, so that really doesn't surprise me. How far into the show have you gotten? Um, I think like we maybe did the, like, I remember vaguely watching the last season, but it was when Mr. Flame and I were do like moving cross culture, like uh, cross country or not cross country, <laughs> cross ocean. Um, yeah. so we kind of let it go. I think I stopped watching when Neil's last girlfriend left. Okay. Cause yeah, I- I'll-, I'll be honest. I love Elle earlier on, but I kind of fell out around season four ish. Okay. Um, because the character, I felt like the showrunners lost the characters. Well, we could probably do a whole like entire uh, episode on things where the people who wrote the characters lost the characters. <clears throat> and <doomed. laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think that's a common emotion in fandom, and certainly why a lot of us end up writing and participating because we have to fix something. But um, mm-hmm. 
when we, you and I have been talking for months, kind of off mic and, and through fix and through discord about one of the ways in which the showrunners of Marvel have kind of dropped the ball with some potential head cannons for characters. Um, and I'm speaking oh, yeah. specifically about Bucky and Wanda and, oh, yeah. and the, and the Jewishness of that. Um, and so and Jewish representation in fic and in fandom. And I'm glad we can talk a little bit on Mike so that our listeners can kind of eavesdrop on some of our conversations because I've adored them and I've been really fascinated by them. So if I say Jewish representation in Marvel fandom, what is your immediate reaction? The Jewish Bucky Barnes headcanon, which is really, really interesting because one, that is 100% headcanon. And two, what the MCU did to Wanda is actually really sad because Wanda is in comics canonically Jewish, but she's barely Jewish and thick. Fascinating. Okay. So in, I'm not a comics reader. Um, Neither am I. I just honestly picked it up on trolling through various discussions, looking for, honestly looking for Jewish headcanons for characters. Okay. And so that's how I found out about it. And what do you think it, is it about We'll, we'll touch Wanda later. Let's focus on Bucky right now. Yeah. What do you think it is about Bucky that, that leads people to that? Uh, leads, well, honestly, his background fits for a Jewish character. He grew up in Brooklyn in the 30s, a very, very, very Jewish area. Um, he's, his family is from, you know, but, you know, he's from that same part of Europe that a heck of a lot of Jewish immigrants came from uh, the act Sebastian Stan is. So there's uh, a lot of just background there that's just like, okay, I can see how he could be Jewish, even though canonically in the MCU, it's never even implied. And in the comics, I don't think it is either. Okay. So it's really like we took it from, we took it from Seb more than we took it from Bucky. I, well, a combination, because like I said, the where Bucky and Steve grew up in canonically in MCU, you know, in Brooklyn, right. heck of a, a ton of Jew of Jewish people live there, even to, to even through today. But in the and so, yet somehow, despite the even through today being absolutely a ton, even more so in the thirties. Fascinating. So in so as you're exploring this headcanon, uh, are there elements of it that? I mean, really, st- like, have become even more headcanony. Like, you know, I know a part of our headcanon for Bucky is is his relationship with Rebecca. So, like, are there fics that talk about his, you know, their bat and bar mitzvahs? Are there are there fics that talk about their rabbis or anything else like that? Like, how 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 uh, wide does this go? Uh, it depends on the fic. The, uh, the thing is, is that I I troll the the uh, tag regularly, but the thing is, is remember how I mentioned earlier how I'm not a huge stucky person right the vast majority of jewish bucky barnes fix are stucky so when i talk about my experience i am leaving out a swath of fix so keep that in mind people there is probably way more that i am missing because i see some other tags and i'm like eh, maybe not for me so speaking of tags because this is another thing yeah. you and i talked on offline there is i mean tagging is kind of both this uh, communal thing and very personal thing. Uh, Fair and I are going to keep talking about that throughout the life of the pod. But I ta- every time I even mention 
that Bucky could potentially be Jewish. I tag it as such. And it sounds like that is not a choice you make and maybe not even a choice you wish I would make from our conversation. So how, how do you feel folks should tag Bucky in this way? I'm honestly not sure because I, when I'm trying to tag, I'm looking for something where the Jewishness is centered, like, you know, something about Bucky being Jewish impacts the story. Okay. It doesn't have to be the central to the story, but it's more than just a, uh, when I'm reading tag, what I'm looking for is more than just a, oh, it's a Christmas fic and Bucky celebrates Hanukkah. Got it. So you're looking for a substantive yeah. in, informing of his character, exactly. not as much as much just uh, like color commentary. Yeah. And I'm, I might be alone on that. And if I am, that's, that's actually totally fine, but it does inform how I tag. I was looking through and realized I have two fix actually in which uh, Bucky gets married to somebody and my idea of Bucky being Jewish informed how I wrote the weddings, but I didn't tag those as Jewish Bucky Barnes. Interesting. Cause it was more of a background than an, than an exchange of his theology or his heritage. Exactly. It just was like, I didn't feel like it was a part of my story enough to tag, but you know, somebody else, I have read fix where making the similar decision, somebody else would choose to tag. And that's the thing about tagging is it's kind of this back and forth of what do different people want. And, you know, maybe somebody would wish I tagged that because they're like, oh, that informs how I see Bucky in the story. That's cool. Hmm. Yeah. Like I said, like tagging is both this thing we do for other people and a thing we do for ourselves as authors, which is very interesting. And I think like there are, we may even go through seasons with our tagging where for six or seven months, I'll tag everything. And then for three, I'm like, Ooh, let me under tag. Like it's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a give and take sometimes. Oh yeah. And I think it's also has to do with the nature of um, my fixed where I've tagged a Jewish character, two Jewish Bucky Barnes, one Jewish Tony Stark. I kind of went a bit very heavy on the Jewish themes in those in those fics. So it's like, you know, coming from me, this isn't really a Jewish fic. Although I, ha I have another one in the works that uh, with a Jewish Bucky Barnes that may or may not be out by the time this airs, depending uh, on how how things go that way. Interesting. So, of course, and we were remiss to mention this already. If you were, if listeners haven't assumed, but you yourself are are Jewish. Yes, that's correct. And so, I realized <laughs> as we were talking, I was like, "So, I know Rose is Jewish, and I don't know if we said that. So, let me say that." Yep. Have there been really poor representations that you found, or on the whole, are there just so few that you know they're all kind of surface? What's the vibe around that? I. There's not been a whole lot of really poor, but there's been a whole lot of really surface. The I was looking. There's about 400 odd because uh, I look at tags. I, when I when I said okay, this is the theme, I went and looked at tag numbers. That's what I, I do sometimes. Uh, anyway, uh, there's about 400 odd Jewish Bucky Barnes fix. About 30 plus of them are tagged Hanukkah. 27 of those or 27 or 30 of those are also tagged Christmas. I look okay. I actually read several of those. A lot of them are the Bucky celebrates Hanukkah in a very surface way. 
So it's not wrong because a lot of Jews, Jewish people do, but that it's almost 10% of what's out there is just kind of, and this is ones that people, like I said, just chose to tag that way because this was just looking through the tag, is like, especially when there's not a whole lot of deep ones because several of the ones not tagged like that way, there's one where it's a throwaway line about, I, I went reading through the tag, of course, too, because again, that's what I do. Um, and there was one with like a throwaway line about Bucky's booby, you know, with the, Jew the Yiddish word for grandmother. And it's like, okay, this is nice, but there's just so much potential with Bucky Judaism to look at some deeper things. And there are a few. There's a few really, really, really good ones bringing in Jewish tradition to Bucky. I just kind of wish there were more. It's not like, so it's not like anything that I've talked about is bad or I don't want to read it. I just wish there was more of the, ooh, let's look at this really deeply. Fascinating. And how do you feel about kind of, you know, this would be a category of own voices as we talk about in publishing. So there are people that perhaps know Judaism or perhaps they don't really even know it at all, but they hear the headcanon and they're like, oh, and they want to explore it. How, as, a, as somebody who claims this faith and somebody who was raised in this tradition, how do you feel about that? Do you, are you happy that all of us are trying our hand? Would you personally wish you know, a certain level of education? What do, what do you feel about that? I think you do want to do a certain level of research. So it's not, I, I definitely want people, other people to come play with these headcanons. It's, I mean, it's a tribute to comics in general. Remember, Stanley and Jack Kirby were Jewish. Mm, that's a good thing to keep in mind, especially for people who don't know anything about the comics heritage. These were characters created by two Jewish men in New York. Yeah, exactly. So come come play with the Judaism of the characters. Just do your research. Look, know, you know, if you're going to look at Hanukkah, know that it's, you know, a minor holiday. It's only so big in the U.S. because of its proximity to Christmas. And know what the story of Hanukkah is. It's, you know, if you're talking about Bucky celebrating Hanukkah, you're talking about Bucky celebrating a holiday of people kicking out uh, oppress oppressors in addition to, you know, a miracle of oil lasting for eight days. You've got a whole lot of depth there, potential to explore, even in a lighthearted, uh, you know, I like celebrating this holiday because there's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, especially, especially for, you know, post-recovery where we're talking about the winter soldier and Bucky reclaiming who he is, like how much could you play with? Oh, he's kicking out Hydra. He's kicking out like, oh my gosh, like that's, that's so rich. That's such a fascinating point. Yeah. And that's just, and that's just Hanukkah. There's, uh, I mean, and there's just so many places you can go with whatever kind of fic you want to read. If you do the, if you do the research, I mean, so there's a, it's a truism. It's not 100% true, but it's uh, Jewish holidays. We fought, we won, let's eat. We fought, we lost, let's fast. And just going with that as a, as a, okay, you got Jewish Bucky Barnes looking at these holidays with that kind of general theme running through most of them. And the ones that aren't are related to old harvest festivals. So the themes of renewal, new year, or, or young people repentance you can just, even before, even if you just want to look at one holiday, you can find so much depth. And, or if you just want to go with tradition, I mean, 
a Jewish monkey barns growing up in in Brooklyn in the 30s, even if he wasn't observant, he would have picked up all these little things. Uh, does if you've got a Jewish monkey barns headcanon, does he eat pork? If he does, what does he think about it? As a Jew whose kosher observance on it, you know, the rules, diet, Jewish dietary rules varies. I can say, even though I don't always follow them, I do think about them. Hmm. So, so, you know, yeah, just, you know, my little brother and I, my little brother who eats ham sandwiches, joke about how he's being a bad Jew by doing so. There's all these little things where it's like, you know, there are things you can do that make it informing his character without necessarily making it central to the plot, but more than just a throwaway Here's a Hanukkah sweater. That's a great point. So I want to pivot really quickly then to Wanda in a way now. I know you and I, neither of us are comics readers. And so we don't really want to feel necessarily qualified to unpack her identity in the comics versus the MCU. But I know I've seen complaints on Twitter that like the real problem, one of people's real problems with Wanda comics readers is that they took this Jewish woman and essentially had her almost fight for a, a Nazi-esque power. Oh. And that kind of erasure is very, very upsetting to people, obviously. It should be upsetting to all of yeah. us. It's worse than people think, because even the people talking about Jewish erase the fact that she is actually in the comics. I, I looked into this when I first saw Jewish headcanon. She's the uh, Magneto's daughter with a Roma, a Roma woman. So the MCU has completely whitewashed the, uh, this character. Wow. She, yeah. It, it's, uh, that. that's one of the major, even people who like the portrayal of Wanda and the MCU can sometimes get, I see this over like, you know, this uh, whitewashing because them, there is not a single Jewish character to my knowledge in the MCU. Hmm. Hmm. And, Not a single one. And everybody, I'm, I would assume, is assumed to be generically Christian of some fashion, because we 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 yeah. treat that religion as the default in the West. Well, when I was looking at the, like I said, I was looking at the headcanons, in Wanda's room, and at least in one of the scenes, I didn't go back and look, there's a cross on the wall. Oh, gosh. Yep. So we're not, this isn't even an assumption for Wanda, it's not even an assumption based on no evidence. Oh my gosh. And then for our listeners who potentially aren't familiar with Roma, what does it mean that her mom was Roma? It means that first off, her working for Hydra, a Nazi group, is even worse because the two groups hardest hit by the Holocaust were the, Ju were the Jewish people and the Roma, the Romani groups. They were hit at, they were hit just as devastatingly and are forgotten regularly so we're talking she's got has a mar marginalized identity one marginalized identity erased and one marginalized identity that's that's even more poorly acknowledged erased my gracious it just feels like there was there was an opportunity i mean the roma are people that are you know historically based in eastern europe but traveled and still yep. do um i was when i lived in ireland we had lots of both Irish travelers and Romani travelers kind of within the, within the culture. There is a, uh, perhaps people who are listening that aren't familiar, the, um, 
the slur of Romani is they, they used to be called uh, gypsies. This is not appropriate anymore, but that would be, if you've heard stories and such things, that would be the connection potentially in your brain. Yep. Um, and so it's a very rich tradition that has been maligned in pop culture, especially in America, for decades. So yep. for the MCU to do this is, is even, I, su- I suppose we shouldn't be shocked considering everything else they did, but it still seems very, very egregious. Yeah, it, it's like they take a, a medium created by two Jewish men, no Jewish characters. They take marginalized characters and remove their marginalization. Um, I mean, um, you look at it and we can talk about representation all day. I can, but it's just basically a thing of the, I mean, Bucky did come in earlier. So that's part of why his showed up, but it, Wanda, uh, remember how I said I looked at the numbers? Yes. I did a percentage, the number of fixed, ta- uh, uh, the number of fixed tag Jewish Bucky Barnes divided by the number of fixed tag Bucky Barnes and the number of fixed tag Jewish Wanda Maximoff divided by the number of fixed tag Wanda Maximoff. It was less than half a percent for both, but it was even less of a percentage for Wanda. So in a world in which a lot of us create fic to, you know, correct the canon, this is an area that needs more attention. Yeah. I mean, I love Jewish Bucky Barnes. I have so many headcanons, so much fic, uh, so many things that I would like to see explored more. There might be a, 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 there might be a few more fics, but I have read exactly one fic other than one of mine. And that one is comics uh, with a Jew- comics-based Jewish Bucky Barnes uh, that explore what it that explore what it means for Bucky to have been as a Jewish Bucky Barnes to have been a Nazi, so have worked for Nazis. Okay. Actually, the one I read did not explore what it meant for Jewish Bucky Barnes to work for Nazis. It took place during the war, but explored a Jewish Bucky Barnes in the context of the Holocaust. There are a few of those, but there's very little. I would say if you're not Jewish and thinking about writing a fic like that, get a sensitivity reader. Yes. I'm not going to say don't, don't do it. Uh, there are authors out there who I think could do it very well. But if you're going to do that, lots of research and a sensitivity reader. When I, read, when I wrote mine, I, as a Jewish person, got another Jewish person to read it. Yes. And for those listening to this, a sensitivity reader who's not familiar, a sensitivity reader is simply somebody from that culture, perspective, life experience, who is going to cast an eye over your fic and make sure that you are communicating clearly and representationally. And if you're thinking about this and looking at that, a great place to find a sensitivity reader is on our Discord server, of which Rose is one of the mods and would be thrilled, both of us, to help you connect to somebody who can help you write that kind of fic. Honestly, if it's a uh, if it doesn't have any tags, I don't read. I'd be willing to lay odds. I if I had time, I'd sensitivity. I I do that. Not guaranteeing I ha- I'll have time, but I would I go ahead and ask me. I would be thrilled to be asked. And on that note, when we are starting to talk about fix and wrecks and things like that, I'd love to know what you're reading right now and what you think we should be. Oh God, I I go through fic like. Uh, like I just can't get enough of different kinds of fic. If we're looking for 
things I come back to over and over and over again. Uh, the Use Your Words verse, it's a series by uh, Smut Lover. It says it's not complete, but the, all the fix in it are currently complete, and it hasn't been updated in a while, but it's very, very good. It's uh, very, it starts off with uh, Winter Soldier, and it's a series, and it goes AU from there, mm. which is uh, a place a lot of, as a Winter Iron and Estonian and a Stuckoni fan, it's a place a lot of people like going AU from. Fair, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it it does so very well, very interestingly. The ship, I'm not going to say how the ship tags end up because they actually evolve over the course of the of the series. It's a long series. Uh, I pulled it up on my computer. It's over over 300,000 words. Who? Yeah. But like I said, it's a series, so if you want to do it thick by thick, it's it can be done. It's manageable chunks. Okay. Um, but yeah, I keep coming back to that one. It is one of it's one of my comfort fix. I love those. Yeah. Anything yeah. else? Uh, I mentioned the Jewish one with a comics-based Bucky. Hmm. Yeah. It's. I just reread it. I I right before went to leave a comment, looked and realized I had already left a comment. I love um, those. And it deserves more love. I am the only person who has commented on this fic. Well, then for sure we want to share it with the listeners yeah. so that we can all go and yeah. shower the author with some love. It's called In These Volatile Times by XLDATO. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but it, that's their fic. Beware the tags. It, it, it does. It's not horribly explicit, but uh, it definitely discusses pretty pretty uh frankly uh concentration camps so be so there are warnings there when it comes to know your own limits on that one but it's very good excellent well rose that wraps up everything i've got do you have anything uh final you'd like to say before we say goodbye thank you for having me i'm so glad to have been here i'm glad you gave me the opportunity to talk about uh judaism in in, in fic and how we honestly need more of it. This is a medium where, whose origins was, were steeped in Judaism. Let's bring some of that back. Here, here. And again, thank you. And I had a great time talking to you. I had a great time as well. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Cassilandia, uh, Flame here, and I've got Simi graciously with me. Hello, Simi. Hi, Flame. How are you? I am doing great. Yourself? Not too bad. So thank you so much for joining us. Oh, no, no, no. Thank you so much for having me. This is, I think, the longest so far of a conversation, time distance between conversations, because I think we are 14 hours apart. Oh, really? Okay, so it's 10.30 for me on a Tuesday morning. And it is 8.30 on Monday night for me. Oh, wow. Okay, that is pretty intense. It's pretty intense. I love how big fandom is. So um, speaking of fandom, would you mind telling us your fandom origin story? Oh, well, I'd love to. It's a bit, okay, I'll admit, it started off when I was practically a baby. Um, No joke. Uh, I was probably about 
10 or 11. So it was about 2006 or so. And I was really into Harry Potter um, as people were back then. And um, and I was always like, you know, really interested in all the, you know, the, the, the legend stuff, you know, and I was on the Harry Potter lexicon. And I think I got into fan fiction through MuggleNet, if people remember what that was. Oh, I love, I wrote for MuggleNet. I love it. Oh, really? I, I think it's still on, but I've, I've just haven't used it in like, you know, decades sort yeah. of thing. But I think it, because I used to have a fan fiction section and I don't know if they still have it, but I used to read from there and I sort of, sort of, went from there to like harrypotterfanfiction.com and to portkey i think i lingered there for quite a bit of time because i really got into harry and hermione as a ship and yes that, that me was too, like, girl that yeah. they're my otp in harry potter i got you exactly yeah. i mean like i don't yeah. know where other you know i don't know where where else you could go with that but i know there are a lot of you know arguments about that but for me it was always harry and hermione and i that's probably the place where i made the um made the transition to fanfiction.net and I, I've been in a lot of you know fandom since then and honestly fandom was like a massive coping mechanism for me especially throughout high school because I was dealing with a lot of other things but um yeah look I think I, I've been into fanfiction for a good you know 12 13 years now and I've written for most of that time although you will never find any of my early stuff if I can help it um I, I've demolished all of that off the internet um which is a good thing because no one should ever know what my earlier experiences with writing was um they were mostly OC fan fictions so I'm sure you can tell exactly what that was you had a lot uh, of feelings oh well god no they were really really bad <laughs> <laughs> oh really I started bad. with Dawson I started with Daw uh Pacey and Joey from Dawson's Creek so oh god I got Dawson's you Creek. don't worry don't worry oh god Dawson's Creek that takes me back <laughs> yeah. yeah um other than that look I I was I think for for me specifically Marvel it, it was by mistake really because I was really into Superbat at some stage um it was back in I think was like around 2016 2017 and I know there are quite a few fics in the Superbat fandom that have Steve and Tony as a side pairing or like a minor pairing. And I got really into it through that ship, I think. And then I started reading the fics. I'll, I'll confess, I probably didn't even watch most of the movies before I started reading fic. I tend to do that. Um, and then I probably went back because I think that there were quite a few Marvel movies on Netflix back in 2017. And I was actually in Switzerland on exchange. So I had nothing better to do and I, you know, watched a bunch of them. I think I pretty much started off with Civil War, which I think was probably the wrong one to start with. That's a really intense yeah. one to jump into the fandom with. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I think I probably, I, I definitely watched Avengers before that, not when it was big, because I remember people talking about it when I was in high school. So I think it came out in 2012 and 2013 was like my last year of high school. I know people were talking about it back then, but I don't think I watched it then, but I never really got into it. And then I got into Civil War and I really liked it. And I started reading a lot of post-Civil War fan fiction was like my thing in 2017. And then I started branching out and I watched all the other Marvel movies and I started reading, you know, some of the comic stuff as well, trying to get myself in because I love having as much fan fiction as possible, um, especially in, in, in one particular, you know, ship that I like. And I don't know, I, I think the good thing about Steve and Tony was that not only were the movies there, but there was so much, you know, comic stuff that I didn't know about. It was like Superbat for me, to be honest, like, because there were so many, you know, iterations of the characters and it was just so, such a, you know, wealth of, 
you know, stories out there that I could read. And that's, you know, really what gets my motor running in the end. So yeah, that's pretty much how I came into the fandom. I didn't start writing until 2018. So I read quite a bit because I didn't think that I had, you know, the characterization of the characters, you know, down pat. And then I think the first time I wrote um, for Marvel and Steve and Tony was in the Stony Love Steve um, exchange in 2018. That was the first time I'd actually had given it a go. And since then it sort of toppled. And I've been sort of, you know, Stony's always been my primary thing. If you look at my, you know, archive of my, our own profile, you see Stony is like the primary ship that I've written for, but I've, you know, delved into a lot of other Tony ships since then. So yeah, that's, pretty much my fandom origin story i don't think yeah I, i've had a pretty you know long go of it but steve and tony is still relatively new i suppose in the grand scheme of things for me that's fascinating though and i i so i love that you talked about like getting the characterizations down because how i came to your fic personally is how much i love how much you play with characterizations um oh. Well, thank you for that. And so um, it was very like that. That is like uh, the very first fic of yours that I read is actually a gender bent Tony. Um, and so and since then, I've fallen into a lot more of how creative you kind of take, especially Tony. So since this is the representation episode, um, I'm just going to open it up and ask kind of when I say that word, which is a really big word. But what does representation in fandom mean to you? Oh, well, interesting question. I suppose for me personally, I like, without the, you know, hopefully I don't sound, you know, crude or rude or anything like that, but I, I like the idea of seeing people that look like me on the screen um, or in a book or something like that. Now, I don't get that much. Um, I know, you know, Indians tend to play a supporting role, very rarely, you know, media that centers around us in particular. Um, and it tends to be comedy, you know, it doesn't really um, have, you know, we don't really get a lot of serious stuff with us in the, in the, you know, in the foreground, unless it's, you know, from our own culture. But I guess for me, I like seeing different sorts of experiences on the screen. And I like those um, experiences to be portrayed, you know, the more, specific the story the better for me because i i really don't um you know we i think we all grew up with the same sort of you know you know spongebob squarepants rugrats things like that and like i mean i i guess i just always wanted to see different stories and action on screen because i think that there are so many different stories out there and we don't even touch on a on any of them so you know that's for me is what representation is the chance to see all of those stories and and learn something new i think that was the big thing like i just recently watched unorthodox and i i thought that was such a great story to you know find out about because i knew nothing about hasidic jews i honestly did not know anything about them and it was just such a such a good frame to that to actually understand what it was like for them from their point of view and you know to see that journey it was just amazing. So I guess, hopefully I haven't rambled on too much, but I guess to me, that's what representation means. I mean, I think like what you said, like when you opened up and said, you hope you don't sound crass. I actually don't think that's crass at all. I think it is the, it is the gut level, honest truth. We all want to see ourselves on screen. We all want to see ourselves on the page. We all want to recognize ourselves in the art that we consume. I think that's a really universal human experience. 
I think another thing is, and, I, and, I, and to be honest, I, I, I feel like maybe people who are not, you know, your traditional cis white men or women, um, they, we've gotten used to finding bits and pieces in, you know, characters that, you know, suit us or, you know, you know, no, that makes sense. To. Yeah. So like, I mean, for me, Tony, you know, <laughs> you know, Robert Downey Jr. is pretty white, but I, I get a lot out of him as a character. I get a lot out of Pepper as a character. I, I you know, I, I see, I, I think we've gotten used to seeing parts of ourselves in characters who don't necessarily look like us, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't want other characters to actually look like us. You know, yeah. um, for me, I, I, I have this tendency to pick a fandom and I pick a character and I really, you know, I, I, I may not, you know, relate to the skin color or the experience, but there are bits and pieces. Like for me in Vampire Diaries, it was Caroline. And in Game of Thrones slash uh, A Song of Ice and Fire, uh, it was Sansa. And at this stage, you're probably realizing that there's a pattern between me and neurotic and or misunderstood characters. But um, those were the ones, you know, they didn't necessarily look like me, but I, I, they spoke to me at the very least. But at some stage, I always just felt like, you know what, I want a character that speaks to me, but looks like me and, you know, sort of has the other experiences that, you know, those characters might not necessarily have. Um, so yeah, I suppose that's for me is. So that's where the, and, and for you, it sounds like to me that part of that experience is crafting the characters yourself, which is where I know you not only gender bend uh, Tony, but you also race bend him is the phrase you used with me once. Is that, is that, is that appropriate? Am I saying it wrong? Yeah, no, but I think race bending is probably the best term for it. Okay. Um, yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about about that? Like times you choose to do one or both or the other or what it, what kind of stuff are you trying to say, do you think, in different times? Well, okay. So for me, actually, this, 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 uh, I should probably tell you a little bit about how, you know, Indian Tony came around. I'd love so, to hear that. Yeah. So it, it really started off and I, and I have to confess, I'm not the first person to say it and I'm not the first person to come up with this headcanon or to race bend him at all. Um, and, you know, if you look at Tumblr, it's very difficult to actually find the gift sets now because I was looking for it a little earlier, but people have done Indian Tony gift sets, you know, race bending him before. Um, there was really good. So there's, there's one which has Riz Ahmed as Tony, which I think is a brilliant fan cast, frankly. Um, I oh think that, that's, that suits him great. I, I, I love it. Um, the other one was, um, it, it's a, it's a South Indian actor, which I think was the reason why I liked it so much. His name is Surya and he's a really popular Tamil actor. Um, and it was him as Tony. And actually I really love that fan cast. It's not my personal one. I, I can tell you about who I imagine for him a little bit later but um it's it's it was just it's such a shock seeing that and it was so it was Surya as Tony I think it was another South Indian actress as Pepper I forgot who it was and it was Frida Pinto as Natasha oh my god that's perfect that's so perfect it's painful it is it, is, it was really good um and it, I just I just really loved it and there is actually a really cute video um it's a parody of like what the Avengers would be like if they were Indian um and I, I posted it in a couple of the discord chats but I'll, I'll definitely send it to you because it's a great video and it's really funny and any Indian will laugh their ass off at it because it's it, it's just really um um it, it speaks to us in a different way but um it's uh it's a it I guess 
it was that and then it was me also at the same time whinging about the fact that there are no Indian characters in the Marvel universe or rather on the on the movies at least and I know that there's the taxi driver in Deadpool but um mainly that is some serious representation then my gosh I'm rolling yeah yeah wow an Indian taxi driver yeah (laughs) Uh, I wonder how I wonder how long it had to take uh, for them to think of that. I wonder so, how many writers need to sit around a room and think about that one. Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm pretty sure they were either tossing up between the Seven Eleven worker or a taxi driver. So yeah, it's a yep, yep, probably. Well, I mean, and and so it it pretty much came out at that. So I was thinking to myself, you know, rather than invent an original character, which you know people will not, you know, they might not like, and they, you know. I feel like, you know, in recent times, the original characters, you know, have gotten their, you know, fair share of licks, um, frankly. And, you know, the My my Immortal disaster didn't, you know, really help things. But um, I just thought about, you know, what it would be like if I took one of these characters. And to be honest, I'll be honest and say Marvel is the first time I've ever done that. Um, And I thought about what if I made those, made one of those characters a different, um, you know, race. And it actually didn't start with Indian. I I will tell you that. Um, Indian came much later. It actually started off with my first Femme Tony fic, which was um, she, so I've always thought that Howard was Jewish. I've read a lot of meta on the the topic and I've always really liked the idea of Howard being Jewish um, based on the way he describes his background in Agent Carter. So that was one half of my representation. And the other half, I I really liked the idea of that. um, Pretty sure it's Ultimates universe, but I could be easily wrong, and I'm not an expert on the comics at all. But um, one iteration of his comics origin, where Noria is Latina, um, and so that was actually my first foray into race bending. So I know it's not technically race bending, but I was superimposing the comic characteristics onto his, you know, the the the, the movie version of him. So it started off as Jewish Latina Tony Stark, and female Tony Stark at that so that was my first sort of thing and that's an ongoing series um and I and then and I actually am rewriting that the first one at, at the very least because I had initially made him Ashkenazi uh Jewish and I might be saying that wrong please forgive me if I am to anyone who's listening this, to this but um I recently got inspired by the idea of Sarah Shahi as um as Tony as my in that fic at least, the female version. And she's Iranian. So I decided to make Howard Iranian Jewish. So that was- fascinating. Yeah, so it's sort of, to be honest, the fan cast I find actually does, um, you know, it it does change things as you're doing it. You know, I had one imagination for Tony at the beginning and then things change, you know, especially when you decide that you don't really like the way that that person fits for that character. And you're like, you know, it sort of evolves from there. And the, the the Indian Tony came a little bit later, which was actually based off not just the gift sets and my own personal whinging about lack of Indian representation, but um, it was it was really um, inspired by the the Indian Harry Potter um, uh, headcanon. I don't know if you've heard about that, um, but it's a it's a group of us in the um, Harry Potter fandom who believe that Harry is actually Indian. Yeah, I've heard of it, but tell us a little bit more because I think we haven't really done that in Marvel, but I think it's a really good example of um, a a much more detailed example of what you've been talking about. So can you explain for the listeners? 
Well, I mean, I, I'm not I'm not particularly an expert on it in any case, but um, so basically, I think it came off the um, discussions about Hermione being black um, in the in the original story, and I think uh, what well, and I completely agree with that headcanon. I think if I'm ever going to write, and I will give you a little bit of a promo, is that I am writing a Tony Stark and Harry Potter um, ship, you know, and, and in that Hermione is definitely black. I think that that's that's a really great characterization for you know to make her black. Um, and in that, I think people started nitpicking Harry's description. So, for example, he's ne I, I, I'm not quite sure, but I think they focus a lot on the messy hair. Um, <laughs> and I know that's, a, you know, it's a long shot, but I think that there is a, um, uh, you, you know, it, there is a lot there. You know, Indians tend to have frizzy hair and it, it's curly and it doesn't quite stay down um, despite... <laughs> a lot of man-made efforts. Um, and uh, some of it was also, you know, the, um, his name. So for example, Harry, so in, 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 my, in our languages, like Harry is the name of a God, in, our, in, our, in like the main, rather my main God in my religion, um, but one of the gods in, in the wider religion, um, Hinduism, and it means lion. So th that was one of the um, things. And you know what, Harry Potter was really big with the Indians, you know, really loved the story completely. And I think from there, people started making up these headcanons and they started writing, you know, drawing Harry as really dark, like dark brown. And I'm not quite sure if they ever went into his skin color in the actual, um, in the books, but I think that that sort of helped things go along as well. And it was just like, you know, little things like, you know, the, you know, the, 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 you know, the abusive relatives, et cetera. You know, that, that sort of thing. I think Harry's story really resonated a lot with Indians. And I think that that was probably the first time that I've ever seen something. I don't think I've seen it anywhere else. I've never seen anyone head cat race spend someone as Indian. And that, and to do it as Harry Potter, you know, the iconic Harry Potter that itself sort of blew my mind. And I started thinking to myself, you know what? What if I made Tony Indian? He is my favorite character. I don't get Indian representation in the Marvel movies. Why don't I make him Indian? And it really goes off the idea that we don't know anything about Maria Stark as of the movies. Um, and to me, it was just as likely that Howard had married a little brown girl and asked her to change her name so that he would be able to do his business much more effectively. So that really is my sort of origin story for Indian Tony. And yeah, I guess that's sort of, I mean, there are multiple sources for it, but that's pretty much how I came to the decision. Um, it's, it's a little difficult, to be honest, trying to fit it into the, you know, the canon that we know of. Um, and so, you know, it, it had to, it was me stretching it a bit. You know, I, I admit, you know, they, they showed Maria as, you know, being very blonde and very white on the move, in the movies. But I was just thinking, you know, what, what if she was just Indian? That's pretty much where I came out with it. No, and I, I started thinking... Please go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know. I just started thinking, so what would that mean for Tony growing up? Um, and I always start sort of like from a chronological sort of perspective and see. So if he was Indian and he was born what would Maria have done? You know, what were the choices that she would have had to make? And how would Tony have, you know, um, Tony have grown up with those choices? So for example, um, I always say that Maria gave him an Indian name at birth. Um, and 
Howard was never around then. I always maintain that Howard was never in the actual room when she gave birth. I think Jarvis was the first person to hold Tony when he was a baby. That's my personal view. And Maria gives him an Indian name. Um, I have my own version. So Maria's Indian name before she changed it to Maria is Moshmi. And I always say that she names Tony um, Anirudh. That's the name that I get. Because I was thinking of A names and I couldn't think of anything else. If, if, if Tony is a girl, her name is Ahalia. And there are reasons for that as well. So, um, uh, so the, the Anirudh one, is a, it's actually a story in my, my religion. Um, so basically there is a princess. Um, she's the princess of like, so her father is like the, demon version in our like the king of the demons in our in our religion and she starts having dreams of this really handsome man and her maidservant starts drawing her pictures of all the you know eligible men and stuff like that and she finally um lands on this prince his name is uh, Aniruddha and his grandfather is actually one of the um main religious figures in our thing and so she kidnaps him and brings him to her you know mistress and they get married and you know they they're living in secret in this in this in this palace without the king of the demons knowing and then when the king of the demons finds out he holds them prisoner and then there's this whole war to get this princess and this 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 prince back um and i always really loved that story i always thought it was incredibly romantic and i and I thought, okay, that's going to be my name for for him as a as a man, and Ahalia. So that's a different story. Um, that sort of came out of my idea that Tony, as a woman, has to contend with so much prejudice, not only being a woman but being brown. And it really so the story goes, and I'll sort of do it briefly. I don't want to get into it too much detail because there are a lot of versions of this. Um, there is a priest, so we call them rishis in my culture, and he has a wife, and her name is Ahalia. And there is the king of the gods, and he comes to her one day, and she sleeps with him. And so she commits adultery against her husband. Her husband finds out and curses her um, into, I think she, she turns into a rock. Um, and, and someone else has to come in, who is an incarnation of our god, and he treads on her with his feet and she comes she comes back to life um and he asks the priest to forgive her and i always got the idea so i was told when my mom was telling me the story that i was told that she knew that the king that this this guy that she slept with was the king of the gods she knew that he was you know that this would be you know cheating on her husband she could have stopped him she was incredibly powerful um but she chose to do that anyway. And I was like, this so fits with my idea of Tony Stark. So I decided to name female version of Tony Ahalia. Of course, that gets changed to Anthony and Antonio. Um, but that's the name that Tony has in the background. And that's the name that Maria always calls him or her. Um, and you'll see that in, in, a, in a fic that I'm I started to post, it's like one chapter's up, it's my Sugar Daddy Steve AU, and you'll see Maria sort of talk about that as well. But that was sort of my um, process. So I started off thinking, okay, so he's a little brown boy, you know, sometimes he goes to galas with his parents and he goes running around and people start thinking that he's actually the cook's son and they don't believe him when he says, no, I'm actually Howard Stark's son because he's too dark. Um, and then he has to, you know, he grows up and he gets into a relationship with Tiberius Stone, which is always, um, you know, going to be a great time for him. And I, I never really, look, I, I know that this is my, my personal thing, but I never really have 
Tony um, sort of struggling with the idea that he's pansexual. I've never really, I've never really addressed that in any of my things. And I accepted that's probably not a fair thing to do, just assuming that he'd be okay with it. Um, but uh, I think for me, the way I look at it is that Tony is such a special person, you know, you know, in, in his world and in our world that I just don't see him having that panic. I feel that he would accept that a lot more because he already feels that he's a strange person compared to everyone else. Um, but that's just the way that I see it. But I, I acknowledge that in a different circumstance that, you know, Indians and, you know, brown people in particular who are religious in particular as well, have to go through a lot of prejudice and a lot of panic when it comes to recognizing that part of their sexuality. Um, and I've just never had a chance to really explore that in any of my fics, but I, I, do, re I, I do acknowledge that that is actually an issue. Um, and it's not that I'm glossing over it. I fully understand how difficult it is for people like me and, you know, to actually come out as gay or bi or, um, you know, pan or, you know, ace, anything, because, you know, our culture just does not agree with it or our religion doesn't agree with it. But I've just never personally, you know, written about it because I don't know if I could actually accurately describe that. And I don't want to, you know, step on anyone's toes. But yeah, so that's pretty much my my bare bones head canon. So yeah, it's and I so rich. I, well, I've taken that and I put it into pretty much every single one of my fics now. So that's it, it changes from fic to fic, but for the most part, that is pretty much how it starts. And there is a lot about Maria there. Like she, I I have like written a backstory for her and exactly how she came and. It was a lot, a lot of it was based on things like my mom would tell me about what it was like for her in like the 60s and 70s, the 70s rather, and things that were going on with like mar arranged marriages and things like that. And, uh, but yeah, I, I've sort of built up this backstory for me, uh, for both Maria and Tony, and that sort of informed how I've written him over the, over the last probably year or so. So yeah. That's so interesting. And have, how have like commenters and other parts of fandom, have they really engaged with Desi Tony or has it not been, has it, what's that reception been? So I guess uh, I've had pretty much most people have been incredibly excited and really willing to read. And they really thanked me for, you know, giving them either you know, some information they probably didn't, un you know, understand, or they didn't probably didn't know. Um, so one of my pet peeves has always been that people ask me, do you speak Indian? Um, and, and that really bothers me. <laughs> so that, that, yeah, I'm laughing at them, not you. Sorry. No, 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 I fully understand. No, you can laugh at me too, because it, it really, like, after a while, it just, it's just like one of those things that we think really face upon that, because no, there's no, because there's no Indian language. Oh, good Lord. There's really no Indian language, so there's multiple <laughs> languages in India, and we all speak very different ones, and we all speak different dialects of them too, so yeah. I, that was one of the things that was the first thing that I wanted to write about in my, in my fic, and I was to say, someone has to ask Tony, does he speak Indian? just because I have to have an answer. Well, no, do you speak white? So, yes. Yeah. So that, that was, that was, um, yeah, that it's it sort of, most people have been really good with it and they've been really, um, really keen to know more and they've been really keen to, to, to understand that, that, and they've been really, well, I've been really happy with, I, I didn't know how it would be when I first, you know, put it up, but people have really rolled with it. And, uh, I've had a lot of Indian people actually commenting saying that, you know what, thank you for the, for the representation thank you for putting my story out there and I that that really gets to me and you know what I'm, like I said before I'm not the first person to have Indian Tony headcanons there are people on Tumblr if you know where to look um that that have really good headcanons and 
what I can say is that I ride a very specific type of Tony and I ride a very specific type of Indian Tony as well. There is no, there is a dearth of Indian experiences to write about and I'm not writing all of them by any means. So I write a very specific um, type of Indian Tony. So he's South Indian, he's Tamilian, he's a Brahmin. Um, so he doesn't lose some of that you know, privilege that we like to explore and fix so much. Um, and he's also what's called an Iyengar, which is a very sort of, it's a, it's a group of Brahmins in India. And it's a sort of, they practice a very specific sect of our religion as well. And a lot of that comes from the fact that I myself am an Iyengar. So, um, tone, so when you see him, you know, practicing Hinduism in my fix, it's very tailored to that Iyengar experience and what religion is like for us and the things that we believe and we do, um, yeah, so a lot of me in him as well, which I know sounds like a bit of like a self-insert, but I, I, I write a very specific type of Tony. And there are a lot of other Indian ponies out there that are all really interesting too. And if you can find those people on Tumblr, I, I suggest you really peel through their Tumblrs because they have a lot to say. And I'm, I'm happy to you know, tell people who to look out for and who to find on Tumblr because it's just, you know, it's, it's really great out there. It really is. Well, I'll definitely grab some of those links. Uh, we'll throw them in the show notes because I know I, I've grabbed some from you in other Discord chats, but I'd love to make sure that everybody else has them. And I just before we move on, I want to comment. Like, I do think a lot of us um, self-insert in some ways as we write sometimes. Certainly not all the time, but there are elements of how I write Tony that are very similar to my life and my experiences and how he processes certain elements of the world. And so I don't think that's a unique thing, which is another reason why the more cake theory is so important because we need everybody's kind of shades on these folks. Um, Cause none of them are right. And all of them are right. And Look, I mean, what I can say about this is that what I found is that that actually makes it so much more interesting. It's, it's, it's a lot of flavor. And I think that that's the important thing, because to be honest, if you were getting the same sort of Tony or the same sort of Steve at any stage, you get a little bored. It's the little bits and pieces. Like for example, I write Tony is super into Real Housewives. I don't know, but that's just because I really like the Real Housewives. No, so so I know I can talk I always, about it. I write him and Steve always watching Dairy Girls because that's my favorite show. So I mean, well, it's, yeah, it's a great show. So I mean, yeah. I, I fully understand why you would. But yeah, no, I think that that's the important. I mean, it's the little things. We don't see those sides of them in the movies. You know, we don't know what Tony watches when he's done in the workshop. We really don't. I 100% believe that he would be yelling with Nini at everybody. So that works for me. So. I, 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 I think I even, I think it was one of my first ones and it was a soulmate one. And I think that they were fighting over who was, so I think Tony was team Kenya and Steve uh, was team Nini. And it was like, they were fighting with each other because they just, because, you know, Kenya and Nini never agree on that show. Ever. So, so I think I, I could easily see, and I think he knows, like, I think I even wrote in one of them that he knows the Orange County people. Yeah, he would. And he would know the New York people. So he would definitely know the New York people. And I fully believe that he and um, Tamara have like drinks and stuff because that's like, I feel like Tamara is such a toady character. No, so. I mean, Simi, I wrote the very first fic I ever wrote. I, the, one of the driving premises in MCU, not in life. But in MCU, the, one of the driving premises was that I believed that Tony and Pepper would have been initial investors in Hamilton. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so I had to write Pepper to, dragging Tony to opening night and how he would react to it. And in my fic, it's after he's like emotionally adopted Peter. So he loses it and like, you know, everything. But yeah, like if, if, if 
in my heart of hearts, like Pepper makes him invest in all the Broadway shows, you know? So um, anyway. I think Tony is incredibly dramatic. And I think that that's why, I, I, like, I don't know. I know we, like, it's part of the reason why I like the fix so much is because we don't really see him like that on the, t- on the movies. Um, but he's, in Fick, at least, he's always like, you know, he's always having the argument about, um, you know, did Han shoot first? Sorry, did Han shoot first? Or, yeah. you know, like, it's, it's those little things. And I, and I want him to have those, like, you know, little bits of fandom in him. Like, I want him to be the eccentric guy. Like, otherwise, it's just, he loses me a bit because I'm, I'm eccentric myself. And I think it speaks to a lot of us that we're all incredibly eccentric and we all have our little bits and pieces that we like, you know, no one looks at me and they think that I really like Real Housewives. Like it's not the sort of thing that people would look at me and think I like, but I really like it. And I think that's the same thing that would be for Tony because he puts himself out there as such a businessy person. Um, but he's actually such a baby, you know, like he likes, like touches everything and likes everything and gets excited about a lot of things, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I say it frequently, but when people meet me in professional settings, if they thought that this was my main hobby, that they wouldn't guess it in a million years. And I love that. So, um, but I could keep talking to you all night, but I need to respect the fact that I told you a certain amount of time. So um, what my last kind of question, this has been such a rich and beautiful conversation. Thank you so much. What are you reading? What would you recommend for people? What do you really love that, that you wish they would love? Do you have um, anything for our listeners? I do. So I was a bit of a search because I wanted to find something that was that was really that spoke to me and was just you know really good. They're all really good, but um these particular ones. So the first one that I have is the Taming of the Shrewd by Jellybean Forest. I don't think I've read that one. Yeah, so basically it's, I'm pretty sure it's set in the Ultimates universe. And uh, that would be it, why I'm just dipping into alts. So that would be yeah, why. Yeah, honestly, and it was, I, honestly, I've not even, I've not read ma- many of the comics, much of it at all, but I still dip into it because I'm, I'm like that. I'm a bit reckless with my reading. But um, so um, it's, it's, an, it's, an, it's an ABO one. Um, and it's uh, like an arranged marriage between Tony and Steve when he comes out of the ice. Now you can imagine what ultimate Steve is like, and you can imagine what an alpha ultimate Steve would be like. Oh, um, I'm going to read it as soon as we get off here. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a bit intense. What I will say is that it's, it's intense and it's not for the faint hearted. It's, it's, it speaks to, okay. So if, if people have read my fic, you know that I, I deal with a lot of things in like relationships and marriage and things like that. That really interests me, you know, the, 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 the complicated relationships that people have, especially with their partners and their husbands and wives. And so it's, it's one of those type of fix, um, I will admit. And you might not agree with Steve in a lot of it. Um, and, and, and the tags are there, so, you know, be wary of the tags. But it, it's, it's still a really good one to read just because Tony is just, he's amazing. And they have a kid and the kid is amazing too. And it's just, it, it's a great version of what I think would happen if that sort of, you know, the Omega Tony marries, uh, like is forced to marry Alpha Steve sort of thing against his will. Um, that, that's, that's my personal view on it, but I, I recommend it to everyone. The other one that I had was um, Suspension of Belief um, by, sorry if I'm saying this wrong, Kumachi Kun. Um, and it's a, it's like a civil war, post civil war sort of character study thing. Um, it is team Iron Man. I will be, you know, sort of, you know, honest with that, but, um, and then it sort of goes into an end game AU in the second story as well, but it's, it's a good one, I think. And it really looks at Tony's 
character and Steve is not mean or cruel. He's just a good guy trying to deal with the mistakes he's made. That's the way I'll put it at least. But he's, he's, he's not, it's not one of those, you know, I see a lot of the post-Civil War ones that are like, he's sort of a caricature, you know, he's like the evil moustache twirling villain. I'm like, that's not Steve. Come on. He's a good guy in, in, at the heart of hearts. So it's one of those. And the last one that I have is Cracks in the Mirror. Um, and I, I cannot for the life of me say, Oh, it's actually, oh, now I get it. So sometimes, I don't know if you, you're like this, but I look at a username and the, the, the letters look really weird, but then I realize that they're actually putting a, like a, like a phrase together and it just doesn't read to me like that until the end. No, it's okay. This is how people think my name is Bethy. So it's, yes, that makes sense. So. Because I was looking at it and it was like Div's headlights. And then I realized that it's Div versus headlights. Nice. Nice. I love a pun. And that's a um, Endgame, a rather end of Endgame AU, and he, um, Steve goes back in time to put the Infinity Stones back to their spots, and well, Tony's there, and it's a different universe. So that oh. that one's also sort of on my on my list as well. Um, but honestly, look, I'll give you the names for the people that I think people should be looking out for on Tumblr for Indian Tony headcanons. and honestly, all of my new stuff and pretty much everything that's come out in the last probably six months has been Indian Tony. So if you're interested in, in, in reading that, you feel free to look at my fix. And if you want to talk about it, I'm always happy to talk about it. So, yeah. And I can affirm both of those things, um, including the fic that she's writing for me for MTH because I was fierce to bid on that because I wanted more, uh, more Indian Tony in the universe. So will uh, be looking for that. So Simi, thank you so much for your time. No worries at all. And uh, for making sure that this voice and your experience and your life story is part of our fandom. We're really, really grateful. So thanks so much. And no worries at all. Thank you so much for having me. Podcast Landia, I am here today with Penn. Penn, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, it's a real, I love having these conversations with people. Would you mind starting the way all of our podcast interviews start and telling us a little bit about your fandom origin story? Um, well, I mean, within fandom in general, I've been around for a few years, started on Tumblr, well, started on fanfiction.net back in the day. Um, and then um, mainly Harry Potter, Merlin stuff. With Marvel, I mean, I'd always liked the Iron Man movies because I had seen them when they first came out and Tony was my love. Um, and I never really was good at keeping up with them. But then honestly, just last summer, my friend and I, we had plans to see Endgame. So I decided, I should binge every single Marvel movie in the span of six days. And so I did that. Um, and then I saw Endgame. And then I dove into comic books to fix everything, as well as fan fiction. So, yeah. That's a common, a common emotion after I think a lot of us saw Endgame was, okay, things need to change now. So, exactly. um, and do you, are you a creator? Are you a consumer? What's kind of your, how do you primarily identify within, within the fandom? Um, well, I mean, 
definitely a consumer. Um, um, and, um, but I also do create. I do um, mainly writing, although I try to dabble in art every now and then if I can manage it, but primarily writing, definitely. So what kind of stuff do you like to write? Oh, um, everything. <laughs> um, with um, Marvel, I mean, I, I just get the randomest ideas. I usually do full-on angst or full-on crack. There's just no in-between with me. Um, but no, I do love a lot of hurt and comfort. Um, Cause like I do hurt them, but I try to make sure they all have hugs after. So to balance it out. But yeah, generally, yeah. Yeah, hurt comfort. Usually I stay um, before Civil War. I just kind of ignore Civil War as a concept because I just like the found family trope. So I like to stick with all the Avengers living in the tower, being happy, healthy, alive. That's my jam. That's understandable. So one of the things that we've been talking about on podcast, and you and I had a slight conversation with it offline, is this idea that kind of who we are, we bring to fic, not only as readers, but as creators. And I think a lot of us have, you know, I don't want to call them soapboxes, but like we have things that we write in a lot of fic because it's important to us or it is primarily how we identify or something. And we want to infuse the stories with that kind of thing. So is there anything like that for you? Um, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, found family. I mean, that's part of like my favorite thing about Avengers, especially like I'm queer. So being part of that queer community is that sense of found family. So that I just relate to a lot. And I love incorporating that in my fix because just the Avengers, all of them different, all of them with these big different backgrounds. So I just love that team dynamic and having, trying to write that as well as I can. Um, and then, yeah, obviously like, I just, I feel like to focus on the queer narratives and stuff like that. Understandable. Do you, sh uh, besides Steve, do you ship Tony with anybody else? Oh, uh, Tony is my bicycle. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> like, I mean, honest, like Stony, Winter Iron, and Stuckoni are just my OTPs. But yeah, Tony, yeah, I will ship him with Loki, with, um, which we call it, with Thor, with, I mean, just Doctor Doom and. Um, oh, him and Gene Khan in the Armored Adventures series. Just, yeah, like I'll ship him with just anyone, really. Fascinating. So one <laughs> of the conversations that uh, you and I had offline for listeners is mm -hmm. that you told me that you identify as a biromantic demisexual. Is that still correct? Yes. Okay. Would you mind unpacking a little bit of what that means? Because those might be terms that some of our listeners aren't super familiar with. Oh, yeah. For sure. So um, with biromantic, that just means that romantically, I mean, I could, you know, I'm interested in like all the genders, not picky. Um, with demisexual, it's um, on the asexual spectrum. And it's basically that you don't feel attraction towards somebody until you build up like a strong emotional connection to them. Interesting. And in a fandom that is very thirsty for <laughs> bodies, that must be that must be an interesting experience. And I, I mean, interesting, I know, is a word that interviewers use constantly, but I do really, really mean that. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. I mean, it's different with fandom because honestly, because of that emotional connection, a lot of my crushes have been fictional characters growing up because like, I'm not going to crush on you until I've angsted over your moral dilemmas. So Got it. Okay, noted. <laughs> yeah, like, so like when there were celebrity crushes, I'm a little... I don't, how can you crush on them? You don't know anything about them. But with fictional characters, you know every deep, nitty gritty detail about them. So it's easier 
for me to like, so most of my crushes have been fictional. So, you know, it's easier to thirst over them, honestly. That's completely fascinating. Yeah, because I mean, I do not identify as mm-hmm. demisexual, but I definitely have had lots and lots of crushes on fictional characters. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting, that's a really fun kind of uh, point to make that's really cool. So as a consumer of fandom and a participant in fandom, do you feel that having that particular queer identity has shaped your fandom experience in a specific way? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, like definitely there are lots of times when um, there will be some thirsting and I'm just like not really understanding it. I mean, I appreciate it. I understand the I like aesthetic appreciation, but you know, a lot of, and, but for example, with um, fix, especially recently, I like having longer fix because I need, I like having that development of a relationship when they're just like really short, love at first sight type things. I just find I can't connect as well because to me that just makes no sense. So I am just very weak for the slow burn basically. So well, that makes sense, of course, because yeah. like you said, we need to, you need to believe that you've gone through all of their moral dilemmas. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously big angst, lots of, you know, lots of uh, the hurt comfort, like you mentioned, like that would really resonate with you more. Definitely. Yeah. Amazing. Within those kind of categories, are there tropes that you kind of feel the need to stay away from because it doesn't really work for you? Um, yes, I'm like, I cannot read infidelity just because, I mean, to me, it just, I don't, like, I mean, I understand it as a trope and stuff like that, but just to me, I just, I can't read it because the thought of, like, you know, being so like lusty after somebody that like you would hurt somebody you care about like just reading it it makes no sense to me I'm not good at that um so yeah definitely that trope I can't I'm just not good at reading um and I definitely just just me personally I just don't like angst without comfort I just if there's no you know I'm fine with all the angst as long as at the end everybody's happy because like I read fix to make sure everybody that I love are happy and healthy. So that's definitely something. I resonate. I refer to myself as a happily ever after enthusiast. So (laughs) I resonate with that deeply. Mm. Speaking of reading things, uh, what are you reading right now that you'd recommend to our readers, our listeners? I read so much. Um, Well, um, here, I actually opened some of the tabs of the fix that I've recently read. so, so a lot of it has been winter iron and um, Stuckoni stuff. Um, there's a, the beautiful series by Not Even Close to Straight, um, Time, um, Time Falls Away, there's a, the trilogy um, with time travel. And so it's Tony and Bucky, then Tony and Steve, and then all three of them. And that's just beautiful. It like really gets you in the feels, but it's beautiful. Um, and uh, within Stony, also, there's an amazing fic that I just recently reread, even though it's 300,000 words. Um, it's uh, Steve Rogers is a Child by Lag Lemon. Um, and yeah, it's, it's 300,000 words, about 300K. And um, it is an ongoing series that technically hasn't been updated for a while. So I'm like hoping it's not abandoned. But um it's um it's really good it has de-aged steve um so you have um tony sort of being like a protector of him and then uh later on you know steve goes back to adult and it's just 
it's just a really, it's, I mean, like I said, I love slow burns. So 300K is just beautiful because it's this super slow development of the relationship. And it's just one of my favorites. Amazing. Well, Penn, do you have, that's all my questions. Do you have anything else for our listeners? Um, not that I can think of at the moment. But, um, yeah. Well, then thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you guys all next time on the podcast interview segment. Awesome. I can't wait for the next episode too. I love following it. <laughs> Hello, Podcast Land. I am here today with Avengers and Co. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's really, really great. And we're going to start the way we do with everybody. Would you tell us your fandom origin story? So I had to think about it because I don't really have a specific time, like story that I can think of. I really just always have been into superheroes as long as I can remember. I watched X-Men Evolution as a kid and Static Shock and those things. And then I got really into the MCU when it came out. As far as getting into Stony, uh, I don't think I actually got into Stony first. I think I got into Super Family first, which is obviously Steve and Tony with like Peter as their kid. And then from there, I was like, oh, Stony's a great one too. And that's how I got into the fandom. That's great. Are you, do you read things besides Stony now then? Are you kind of, do you nip around? Uh, mostly I stick with Stony, but I, I kind of tend to prefer, uh, specific tropes sometimes more than I care about the, uh, who the main ship is. Oh, that makes sense. So, like, what tropes are you into right now? So, like, I always love, uh, like, family-style stuff. So, sometimes I don't care if it's specifically Stony that's Endgame, uh, or, like, real, or if it's Jen, I like that, too. Uh, BDSM fix I always really like. So, that I tend to end up reading a lot of, like, Stucky, because they just have a lot of it. Things like that. Cool. Um, yeah, I think when we talk about different tropes and different, um, characters, Stucky really, really loves angst a, a little bit more than Stoney does. And so sometimes yeah, I they, think, uh, they lend uh, themselves to those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's just, I feel like a little, not, I don't want to say there's more in Stucky, but there kind of is. So sometimes I can just go over there and be like, let me read through some of what they got because Stoney's kind of lacking in something that I want or something like that. That's fair. I feel that way sometimes about Winter Iron because I'll be looking for something in Stoney and they oh, haven't yeah. done it, but it's in Winter Iron and I'll lose myself in Winter Iron for three weeks. So I feel that. Uh-huh. So you, when you and I were talking offline, one of the things that you mentioned is that part of your life is that you are neurodivergent. Mm-hmm. And I am really curious as to how that affects and interacts with your fandom life so it wasn't what I've noticed for sure is so one of the things I have is like depression and I noticed when I'm struggling more I tend to fall back into fandom I noticed it a lot because like my freshman year of college I was doing really well mentally um and I was barely involved at all 
Um, and so it definitely kind of, and I don't think it's a, I think it's kind of almost like a coping skill. It's when I'm really struggling, I, it's what I go to, to instead of like drinking sometimes, or instead of, uh, if I can't find friends to go out with, it's kind of my way of going back and just feeling kind of comfortable and having something to do that makes me feel safe and things like that. That makes sense. Is it thick? Is it like hopping on discord with people? Is it both? Uh, it's definitely thick and Tumblr. I'm pretty bad on discord. Uh, the group chats just like stress me out. Um, but definitely kind of, kind of having people who I talk to a little bit and seeing a lot of the fan art and fanfic and taking in the creative stuff that people do, uh, I feel like really helps me. That makes sense. And I think there's a lot of people who identify with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is there a particular, um, I guess, like, you know, you mentioned that you love family tropes. Is that, is that something you would read a lot of in this particular season of your life? Probably. I don't think I can, I, I definitely will go back to a lot of fix that I like. Okay. Um, I'm sometimes a little less, there's, uh, I'm sometimes a little less willing to read things I don't know. So I'll try and, I typically like, I have a couple of like go-to fix that I've read like five or six times easily. Um, which is a lot for someone like me who once I read something once, I'm usually done with it no matter how much I like it. But I definitely find myself going back to the same fix and the same people. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a very, it's a very self-soothing mechanism to mm -hmm. be able to know because one of the things that is difficult when I can speak for myself and you can tell me if you agree or disagree, but when I'm in a really bad mental place, the last thing I want is surprises. Yeah, exactly. You ju it's just kind of the comfort of knowing what's going to happen and knowing you're going to be happy with it. And to some extent, I, and so sometimes that works well, at least even if I'm not going to like the same exact fic, it's an author who I know and I like. Yeah. Um, or it's kind of this very specific trope that I'm not willing to do a lot of exploring. So sometimes it's like, okay, I have this very specific thing that I need that I know always cheers me up. So it's definitely a lot of the familiarity is important. That makes sense. And so um, I, my next kind of set of questions is around, I guess, like representation of your particular divergence. Do you feel that fic does it well? Do you wish there was things that we would do better about it? Anything you'd like us to know? Hmm. I, when I notice the most for the neuro, neurodivergency in fic, it's, most often depression and anxiety, which I, I might say this incorrectly and I don't mean it in the wrong way, but it's kind of, those are the ones that the most people identify with. And so it almost kind of feels like the easiest ones to go to. I'm also uh, like ADHD and that I, like I, f I hear people kind of discuss it in like discord type stuff or in like Tumblr posts, but I rarely ever see it in fact. Um, so it's kind of, there's, there is some neurodiversity, but it's very specific ones, 
if that makes sense. That is, it's, that's interesting. Is it something that like from your perspective, it would be easy to put in ADHD to some of these characters or? I think it's just something that like people don't specify as much, but it's also, you don't, because like for me, ADHD is such a part of like my identity in a way that like, as much as I have depression and anxiety, it doesn't, it feels like a different part of me. So I think there's a bit of a kind of differentiation between the two where you kind of grew up with ADHD and you almost feel like it's part of your personality, at least for me, versus depression and anxiety. I feel like it's something that's just different for me and I can work to get better on. So I think people see maybe it's similarly, maybe it's not, but with anxiety and depression, people kind of see it as something that like, this is a struggle I'm having and maybe this fit can help me work through it. That's interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I also have really high anxiety mm-hmm. and I see it as something that is almost like a backpack that I wear. And there mm-hmm. are times that there's nothing in the backpack and it's like there. And then there's other times where it feels like I can't move cause it's bending me backwards. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it Um, because it's just, there's a different part of it. But then when it comes to like ADHD for me, I'm just kind of like, I don't think it's something to work with. I think it's just some, or like, I don't think it's something I have to work through sometimes or try and kind of have back part. It's just, it's part of who I am. It's, uh, I almost got into it a little bit once with uh, someone at my work when I said, oh, I am ADHD, and they're like, no, you have it. And I'm like, well, I understand that some people really need that differentiation. But for me, I actually prefer to say I am ADHD for me, because that's how I feel and identify. Because for me, I don't see ADHD as a disability that Mm -hmm. some people do. I just see it as like, that's kind of part of who, like, I did have to do something different. Not, it's just not going to be the same way as everyone else. Yeah, it's it's, just like your brain is woven in that way. And so how could you Mm -hmm. separate the weaving of your brain? Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, so if somebody wanted to write, let's say, I think of all the characters I think about, somebody who would have ADHD would probably be Peter or Tony. Yeah, Uh, I think Tony's the one who people most often kind of identify it as. So from your perspective, like what are two or three things we should make sure that we think about if we want to give him an authentic ADHD experience? I think it's definitely more than just the bouncing around and hyperactivity. People focus on that a lot. And that's not even just in fandom, that's just in general. Whereas for me, it's, yeah, I'm hyperactive, but like I will like jump from topic to topic and I won't even realize how much I'm jumping until someone points it out to me. Hmm. Um, there's a lot less awareness, but you just kind of flow a little bit differently, but it also just is preferential. Like I will get to the point, but if you try to keep me too focused, I'll lose the point. Okay. So almost like we would, somebody in a conversation with you could hold like a gentle boundary around things, but not like a laser focused one. Yeah, exactly. So where sometimes it's like, you have to let someone go on a little bit of a tangent, but you also have, but there is sometimes where there is the boundary of like, okay, too far off topic. Let's at least try and get back to the same point. Or it's like saying, 
um, so I work, I, I think I mentioned this, that I work with people with mental illness. And so ADHD isn't usually one of them, but there's a lot of times when it's like, you have to keep like going off on tangents is really common. So it's setting the boundary of like, Hey, look, this is how much time I have left. And then after that, I have to go. So like, you can do with what you want in that amount of time. This is what I'd like to do. But like, I just have to get set the time limit kind of thing. Interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I think that's good. Like if we're, as we're thinking about, you know, Tony's physical bounciness and even his mental bounciness, mm -hmm. we can also think about, you know, if we're writing a Sony fic, Steve kind of helping with some time limits mm -hmm. or like, you know, absolutely following him down the rabbit trails, but every once in a while, maybe looking at Tony and being like, I've lost you now. So can we come back? Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of thing in a, in a more gentle way than an agenda driven way. Yeah. And I think it's just kind of a weird way that people like boundaries and I, I, you said that and it just made me think of something at work because I set boundaries with the client and my client was not happy about it. So I think that's another thing is that like, I feel like when I watch, when I read fix, it's, there's, you definitely get a lot of the like support as the mental, as someone helping with, uh, someone with mental illness, but there's not always a lot of, um, backlash, which I feel like is very unrealistic, hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So like, kind of talking about the client is I was setting boundaries with her and she was livid with me. And these were all like, I'm not allowed to do the things she was asking me to do. Um, and she was super upset with me. But then like in fic, you would read it. If someone set a boundary, they should, someone just accepts it. They're like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. And it's like, no, sometimes you get a boundary and you're, you're not happy about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like you always kind of see the people are better about hitting the ugly side, but in a weird way where it's still kind of a idealized version of it where everything is working out perfectly. Um, so like if someone it's like, yeah, people are really struggling with this, but there aren't a lot of setbacks again, or there's not a lot of back and forth with like my clients and with everyone I feel like, but it's just kind of more noticeable in more severe cases is where I'm like, oh, we're making really good progress. And then like two weeks later, it's like, oh no, we made no progress when I thought we made all the progress. Yeah. Uh, versus in fic, I feel like we all, it's always like every time it's progress and setbacks are like, oh, this one off day. It's like, no, 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 no. It is like full on. There was no progress made and you thought there was progress. Yeah. It's hard. I write a lot about trauma. Uh, and mm -hmm. And I, I work with that a little bit in my offline life. Mm -hmm. One of the ways I talk about trauma is that it's a, it's a, like a conical mountain next to a beach where you're walking in a path and, you know, when you're on the front of the mountain, you can still smell the trauma and see it and it's terrible. And then you get around to the back of the mountain and you're like, oh my God, I'm free. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. But like, then you got to go back around to the front of the mountain. Like, yeah. And then all of a sudden it's there again and it's living and it's, and it's breathing and it smells just as bad as it did on the last time you were there. And that's a that's really good way of putting it. I'm going to use works. that. That's a really good way of putting it. Oh, thanks. I, <laughs> I, uh, I, used it in my PhD. So I will, uh, I'll link the fic where I describe it in the show notes. So. Oh yes, please. I would yeah. love to use that with my clients. So when we're thinking about fic, 
one of the issues is that we do have a tendency as writers to tie it all up in this really neat little bow and it would be probably well a more fun as writers but definitely more realistic as readers if we would play with that a little bit yeah i think yeah and i feel like it's things like people always notice when things are starting to go bad when in reality it's like i've had friends who are like i was like completely depressed and i had and I was awful and all these things. And I was like, I had no idea. And I, I'd spend almost every day with you. And it's not that we don't, and we kind of have a tendency to be like, well, if you care to think that if you cared, you'd notice when it, in reality, it's like, no, sometimes you just don't know a baseline or you're way better at hiding things than you think they are. And in fic, we have these really idealized versions where we want people to notice the little things that changed when it's like, that. that's not always realistic or sometimes you don't know some you think you know someone better and you don't know like their baseline and what certain things look like for certain people yeah and baseline being for anyone who doesn't know because that's a term that, that oh yeah is very common in this world that avengers and i and co are talking about um is kind of the understood realm of normal quote unquote there is no normal but this is this person's kind of typical behavior typical emotional range typical reaction rates things like that it's it's what feels within acceptable normality for a particular person so like my yeah. baseline is very different than my husband's baseline but you know because everyone's baseline is different and a big part of relationships whether you realize it or not <laughs> is getting to know your friend's baseline you just learn it mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of part of you know when you can say a friend feels really off it's because yeah. their baseline has changed mm -hmm. yeah and we don't talk about that enough and if we do especially with steve and tony it's always tony's gotten weird and steve's perfect at observing it and like knows exactly how to handle it and exactly how to fix it um, yeah, I know that, is, and that is so off base because I'm like, I know. Yeah, but it's so much fun to fantasize um, and think that we can live in a world where that can all work. So, speaking of fantasy, what are you reading right now? What am I reading right now? I think I'm going back and just rereading fix. But the most, so the most recent fic that I just like read, I didn't binge read it because they were. I had to read it as it was coming out, but. Uh, Peter Stars by Iron Pingu and Parker Park R. Stark uh, is the one I just read and I absolutely adored. And then my all-time favorite fic is not about superheroes and then in parentheses, A Private Little War. Definitely, whenever someone asks, like, what fic do you recommend, uh, that's always my number one fic that I recommend, because I think it's the best thing in the entire world. Well, that sounds like a hearty endorsement. I have not yeah. read either of these, so I'm excited to go and find them, and listeners will find the links in the show notes. Avengers & Co., thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. settle into June, which is generally celebrated as Pride Month around the world in connection to the riots at the Stonewall Inn in New York City in June of 1969, we wanted to take a minute to hear from any of you for whom the physical celebrations of the month are part of your yearly rhythms. With COVID, clearly those plans have obviously changed, and we are cognizant that for some of you this may have been your first Pride. 
pride may be the only time that you feel allowed to be that version of yourself. Perhaps uh, you are still closeted to your family or friends. Perhaps it's simply something that you enjoy celebrating, whether wherever you find yourself in the sexuality spectrum. But no matter what, it's one of the things that is different. And the physical gatherings of pride are a political movement as much as they are an emotional one. And so we just wanted to give some space. And a few of you were kind enough to write in and we're gonna hear from you now. And a huge thank you to Athla Tiger who read all your answers for us. Thanks so much, Tig. JBA says, I signed up for a 5K Pride run this year. Crown of Stardust and Bone says, This was the year I was going to go to my first Pride since realizing that I'm bi. Being unable to do so is disappointing, but I'd much rather the community be safe than have the parade. I don't have any definitive plans yet, but I'm hoping to find some way of participating. Isolt-1124 says, Doing a local virtual 5K and just generally continuing to be my usual fabulous self. STRMPT says, Just trying to live as my authentic self unapologetically this year. Let's All Sleep Over Work says, Another server is doing a Pride Week with wrecking fix, songs, art, etc., and having a Pride Cake Day and other cool activities. Usually, I go to at least one Pride Parade with some LGBT plus friendos, and we get together and have our own Pride celebrations where we're out and proud and living our best lives. Pivoting now to Trope Off, I wanted to give a quick update for those who are curious where things stand before we head into our event's forecast. So, since the last time we talked about Trope Off, we've had three head-to-head -head battles. First up was a real challenge for people. This one was a, this was a nail-biter. We had Mutual Pining versus Soulmates, which, I mean, I'll say that that's two of my very favorite tropes. So I understand everyone's pain. Once again, I am grateful that as the owner, I cannot float. <laughs> uh, mutual pining took it 53 to 47. So that was, that was tight, but not the tightest we've ever had. Next up, we had trapped together versus domestic fluff. I thought that one might be a little easier for people, but that one was a challenge too. Trapped together took it with 52 to, to domestic fluffs 48. And our most recent battle surprised me, actually. We had soulmates versus fake dating. And I thought this one was going to be a real struggle because, again, those are two of my favorites. But soulmates kind of blew fake dating out of the water. It was 65 for soulmates and 35 for fake dating. I think soulmates is also having a bit of a moment. It is having a moment. I'm, all, I'm here all day for those moments. But I think fake dating maybe is kind of on the, on the downside a little. Yeah, because I just wrote one and people were like, really, it was like a thirst in the desert kind of reaction to it. So to fake dating, to fake dating. Yeah. Oh, so maybe it's just not being fed very much. I think I think it's possible. It's one of the ones that's on the down on like the downswing at the moment. And soulmates is just pressing like absolutely like forefront of everyone's mind. And so that's what like is getting fed and therefore you want more of it. Mm. I feel like um, ABO fix are the same way. Yeah. And I mean, I will say that like we're in the, I can't, uh, I think we've got about six or seven maybe left, maybe even less than that, that are still in the running. So like they've made it pretty far. Um, are you going to, uh, are you going to reveal what you voted for? 
is anyone going to be surprised? So mutual pining and soulmates, I went with soulmates because as much as I love writing mutual pining, I don't like reading it as much. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, mostly I just love torturing you all. And yeah, yeah. I love the comments and while you were sleeping so much, I'm going to write mutual pining forever now. Yeah. Trapped together in domestic fluff. I did domestic fluff because I don't love trapped together as much. It has to be very specific and it has to involve there's only one bed. Yep. Valid. So, um, and then soulmates and fake dating soulmates. Yeah. No questions. So I was pretty, pretty down the middle, easy. Also soulmates, there was a great question on the collab Cupid. Uh, I think you brought it up of like, what's the trope? Yeah, you did. What's the trope yeah, you did. haven't written? Yes. For me, that answer is soulmates. I haven't really div- do- dove into it as a writer. Ah, interesting. Okay. Well, a lot about soulmates right now. yeah, I'm going to hold you to that. Mine was amnesia, which is, I, I'm pretty sure already out of the running. <laughs> yeah, that one's, that one's not yeah. as pop right now. Yeah. yeah. Amnesia had a two wins, two losses. And it was out. Okay. Um, okay, so what else is out? So Domestic Fluff is now out. It's lost to Trap Together was its second loss. So bye-bye Domestic Fluff. I do think maybe it suffered from being a bit too broad. And people tended to pick the specific fluff they liked rather than the broad concept of Domestic Fluff. So that was interesting. Totally fair. In a similar and yet completely opposite way, Gut-Wrenching Angst is also out. So that may be for the same reason. It's a bit too broad. But I will also say that the kind of angst that tends not to end happily or is a little easier to end unhappily perhaps uh, did not do great in Tropoff. So I think that, and again, we had some conflict with gut-wrenching angst because some people saw it as like, you can have gut-wrenching angst and then a, ha- a happy ending still. And some people saw it as like, the whole thing was gut-wrenching angst. So like if they voted for it, they were choosing angst with an unhappy ending. Right, so is it like, it's it's, it's angst. It's like hurt comfort versus dead dove almost. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be a dead dove to have a sad ending, but I think that, I think that when I chose gut wrenching angst as one of the tropes in the list, I was imagining that the implication was that it, the whole story was angsty and there was no happy ending. There was no comfort or if there was, it wasn't enough to like balance out the angst, but some people very clearly were like, Oh, I love angst with a happy ending. So I will vote for gut wrenching angst. And I was like, interesting. Yeah. The other two that did lose in the last couple were Fake Dating and Soulmates. They are both still in the running. That was their first loss. So we still have some of the big hitters. And uh, yeah, we're getting down to it. One, two, three, four, five, six. We've got six tropes left in the running. I think about five votes. It depends a little bit on if we end up with uh, someone that requires a double loss doing double elimination. So we'll see. But as usual, I don't like to reveal too much about the standings because I don't want people to start gaming their voting. But uh, yeah, I am really interested to see what comes out on top. This ended up being much more, much more fascinating and different in ways I didn't, I didn't expect to see. And the ones that I would have voted to the top, some of the ones that would be in my top three for sure, are already out. We're going to have to have a longer conversation about tropes and why we think we gravitate towards different tropes at different times because yeah. this is so interesting. So we're going to yeah. have to do that later for sure. Yeah. If any, and if anyone listening wants to be an interview specifically about tropes, that'd be a great topic to bring to us. Yep. Um, so yeah, we are moving into the last few weeks of trope off. So get your voting fingers ready. Remember that you don't have to be following me on Twitter to vote, but I do post them on Twitter. So you'll have to check me out 
once in a while, each one is available for two days. I will be posting the finals for a little bit longer. So I'm hoping to get a little more engagement when we get down to the very, very end, but I am very excited. And whatever the outcome is, you will definitely hear about it here on the podcast. Next up, we have your events forecast. Hi, fandom. This is Only More Love, your interim forecaster. I'm back to tell you all about what's going on, challenge-wise, in a Marvel fandom near you. A little note before I start with the current events. You'll be able to find everything I mention in this forecast, linked and explained, in the show notes of each episode over on podonthesuit.com. Alright, so now for the numerous and fun events that are happening. In light of the current American and worldwide situation, we first need to pull your attention towards projects inspired by the other charity auctions we've had in fandom, this time geared to raise money to go towards the Black Lives Matter movement, and charities aligning with that movement's values, such as bail funds and other organizations. Among the various initiatives, Marvel-oriented ones include Marvel Fans for BLM, both on Tumblr and on Twitter, which will be open to all Marvel worlds, but centered on uplifting Black characters, as well as one called Crafts for Change, which you can check out on Twitter. Other initiatives are taking place around the different social media platforms, so keep an eye out if you'd like to support the cause in this way. Teen Wolf fans may want to check out Fandom Cares as well. Cap IM released the dates and themes of this summer's tiny reverse bang. The TRB works so artists submit art pieces corresponding to the themes of the round, and then one piece is revealed every week with other creators writing, podficking, or vidding works inspired by them. The submission period for this round will last from June 19th to July 10th, and the round itself will go on until September for Big Bang season. The Fanworks Like It's 2012 Prompt Fest is still ongoing, so if you haven't looked at the prompts yet, go browse. Prompting stays open until the end of the fest on July 13th, and no claiming is required. Whether you've picked a side, fluff, or angst, or you're a double agent, the Steve Tony Games will be revealing their prompts in two days. It will take the form of a bingo card with both themes represented equally for the teams to battle for the most points. All universes are welcome and even encouraged, so please check out the rules for more detailed info on how to win points. It'll be fun! The signups for the Bottom Steve Festival Big Bang are open until June 19th, with artists claiming happening between August 3rd and 7th and posting starting August 31st. There is a 10,000-word minimum requirement for authors. The event is 18+. The first prompts of The Marvel Blind Date were revealed last week, so if you haven't had a chance to look yet, go for it. If you have looked but haven't claimed, new prompts will be revealed each month. The artist signups for The Marvel Reverse Big Bang have closed. Submissions are expected by June 12th, and writers will come in July 3rd for claims. Claiming for the Marvel Undercover Prompt Fest is open and will stay so until June 28th. 
Posting will start on June 29th. As a reminder, this year's theme is music. So take a look at the prompts, listen to some of the songs, and maybe they'll spark something. The sign-ups for the Winter Iron Shield or Stacconi Reverse Bang for both authors and artists are open until June 10th, with art previews happening on June 11th. Art should be 80% done to be submitted, and stories should be complete with a minimum of 5,000 words by the time of posting, which will happen between August 7th and 28th. It's the last day to sign up as an author for the Iron Husband's Big Bang. Artists have until June 22nd to join with claims happening on July 3rd and a posting period starting July 31st. Writers have the option of choosing between a mini bang, 5,000 words, and a big bang, 15,000 words. What'll it be for you? Sam and Steve are almost ready to pack their bags for some relaxing times with the Sam Steve Vacation Week, happening June 28th through July 4th. The mods are posting some prompts on the DWCom for inspiration, and they are gorgeous. At the same time, Iron Strange Week will be held from June 28th to July 11th, including one week of amnesty to give people more time to get their work in. There are no minimum requirements either, and every form of media is allowed. Winter Iron is commenting has released their five commenting bingo cards to encourage the community to engage with Tony slash Bucky content. Examples of prompts include Wreck for a new shipper Work from W.I. Spring Fling 616 Verse and many others. Sign-ups for Starker Festival's Starker Summer Bingo are still open, and this round will last till September 1st. And if you are a poly shipper and didn't get a chance to sign up last time, the Marvel Poly Ship Bingo is running additional signups this month, so go grab your card. This round lasts until September 30th. The Tony Stark Bingo, Cap I Am Bingo, and Comet Bingo, Cap I Am Kink Meme, and Lights on Park Avenue are still open for participant signups and or contributions and the links to all of these are still in the show notes of episode 1. The Cap IM BB mods are also holding Discord chats for authors, so please keep an eye out for the announcements of the time they'll take place, as they will vary to catch as many time zones as possible until September. This has been your events forecast. I'll see you next episode. Until then, happy shipping! wrap on episode eight. Thank you to Pendragon, Simi, Rose, and Avengers and Co. for their conversations and to Bear for the art. Also, thank you to Athletiger Tiger for reading our Pride celebrations. And before we go, we have a very exciting announcement. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. It's almost time for Steve's birthday. Yay. I know you're listening to this at the beginning of June, um, but his birthday is the beginning of July. So we want to give you guys some time to create stuff. This is going to be just like for Tony's birthday. We're going to have an AO3 collection. We're going to have the hashtag is HBDSteve2020. Um, notice how creative we are. Aren't you proud of us? <laughs> um, and the reblogging week on Twitter and Tumblr will start on June 28th so that it culminates with Steve's birthday on July the 4th. 
Um, and then we'll, we'll see you again on July the 5th for an episode celebrating Steve. But again, your reblog week is going to be the 28th to the 4th. And do note that we did have some trouble with Tumblr dropping some people out of the tag. I still don't know why. That's just Tumblr's way. So if you really want to be sure that we catch it and we feel, you know, if we missed anything, um, we'd be heartbroken. So if you want to, instead of just tagging with HBD Steve 2020, you can also at us at Pot on the Suit in your um, text so, uh, so that we definitely see it and we can be sure to reblog because we really, really don't want to miss anything. No, and we giggled gleefully over everything that you guys submitted the last time. Uh, we loved the fix and the creations and the art and everything else. And we can't wait to make this an annual tradition. So as we wrap up eight, thank you again for your comments, your questions and your engagement, especially on this particular topic. And we look forward to continuing these conversations. This is your fandom podcast and we wanna make it the best it can be for you. If you'd like to share your views on fandom, never forget that you can comment on the website. You can get in touch across any of our socials. You can send in secrets and questions anywhere you can. And we'll see you soon for episode nine. You've been listening to Pod on the Suit. Thanks for joining us.